0: back ecclesial nuts on this episode of religionless church we have one of my favorite people tori williams douglas tori is a research assistant at a neuroscience lab in oregon and she's also fairly uh, well known on twitter as being a anti-racism educator and uh tori has an absolutely amazing story uh, in her spiritual and political journey and it's something that uh I think is certainly uh, worthwhile to listen to. Tori and I talk about kind of her spiritual journey uh, and some of the work that she's doing in neuroscience and anti-racism. It's really interesting to think about the ways that racism and our neurology and neuroscience is intersecting and really has a lot to to say to one another, and they, they certainly interplay. And not only that, but the way that those two interplay, I think, really informs a lot of the work that I'm trying to do on Religionless Church. So make sure that you are ready for a sciency, neuroscience-y, uh, in fact, filled episode. We also have music from Paige Gray, and uh, you'll hear Nick later on in the episode talk about some of his music that he's doing under the name Paige Gray is just awesome and I really dig a lot of the music. There's kind of that sort of uh, indie Midwest emo vibe, which for those that really know me well, know that that is an absolute guilty pleasure of mine. I wouldn't even actually even say it's a guilty pleasure. I mean, come on, like, Midwest indie emo is nothing to even kind of be ashamed about. I mean, it's, it's straight up amazing music. So anyway, Paige Gray, You will definitely want to check them out as well. And as always, you can get connected with Tori's work and with Patriot's work on the links below. You can also get connected to my work at masonmenega.com, which that link is below as well. And be sure to check out my Patreon page. I would love for you to be able to support my work and what I'm doing on religionless church. There's all sorts of tiers and rewards that you can receive. Uh, and I think there's a lot of really engaging and uh, intriguing content that you can get connected with. So hopefully you become a Patreon supporter of my work. And without further ado, here's Corey Williams Douglas on Religionless Church. Even
1: The cross of grief or pain leave to thy God to order and provide in every chain he faithful
0: will remain. We have Tori Williams Douglas. Tori Williams Douglas is a research assistant at a neuroscience lab in Portland, Oregon. It's Oregon, right? Not Oregon. All those Oregon yeah. folks really cracked me yeah. hard on that, right? Yep. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. Oregon. That's it.
0: Ah. They're, and they're they're uh, they're sticklers about that. So. Uh-huh. So Tori is a research assistant at a neuroscience lab, and she's also a sort of Twitter personality on a, I would say you describe yourself as an educator on anti-racism and on um, mainly people of color, right? Uh, that's kind of the, the education uh, on, on the experiences and uh, per- trauma that people of color experience and you kind of also speak into and intersect that with uh, lgbtq people and um, other people that experience significant trauma in their lives um so you you're part of a lab that researches a lot of um the neuroscience behind uh, what those individuals and and people are experiencing and uh yeah you certainly have been an educator to not only myself but a lot of other people on on twitter and um there there's no uh in, in i should say there are in your education uh, of a lot of folks there is uh there's little room for any misogyny there's very little room for any racism and there's plenty of room for snark so there's a lot of that going on
3: there's an abundance of of snark especially when i'm totally integrating into a floor <laughs>
0: That's very true. Us fours love our snark. So you are a number of different things. You're also a mother and have just two great little boys. And so you are a number of different things. But I want to know, who is Tori Williams Douglas to Tori Williams Douglas?
3: Um well first of all, thank you, because that was like so sweet and accurate. Like, why am I thanking you for this? Um so yeah that's a question that I ask myself almost every day so um I'm kind of you know in the whole recovering evangelical circle Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said I do do a lot of I'm very lucky to be able to be kind of exposed to a lot of research around um brain development trauma racism Um, and the ways that, you know, trauma intersects in all kinds of people's lives and the effects that that has. But, um, yeah, I've always kind of, I've always kind of considered myself like in this weird sort of in-between space or like, I'm not one thing or the other. Um, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I, like, I grew up here in Portland and, um, being like a mixed race black kid in Portland is, was not super common when I was Mm -hmm. a kid. Um, So yeah. And maybe integrating again, that never really bothered me. Like I always was like, well, I'm my own person. I don't have to fit into like, you know, black or white or brown or whatever, like labels people are trying to put on me. Um, And so I think that, yeah, that's something that I'm still kind of like, exploring and working on and trying to, like, become, like, the best version of myself that there is. But as far as, like, who I am, um, yeah, I hope that I'm always someone that's growing and thriving and, like, learning to love people better, um, even though I get really mean on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to, like, racists mainly, mostly, and evangelicals, but, um, still kind of mean um <laughs> yeah so that's kind of it's kind of i'm i'm definitely a work in progress still
1: you know you you mentioned
0: that and you'll probably get into this later on as we as we converse but you, you talk a lot about how you kind of live in this, um, in this sort of liminal space between uh, a lot of different identities that um, you've been given. You kind of live in a liminal space in your racial identity, and you kind of live in a liminal space uh, spiritually. There's all these little different spaces that you have found yourself to kind of, uh, you, you found yourself to be in tension with. Can you talk a little bit more about how that plays into who you are as a person?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably like living in that tension has been has been like one of the more defining aspects of my life. Um I think that you know, like I said growing up in like a very very white city, um with biracial parents, it was a very you know it was a very formative experience, and people mm-hmm. had a lot of a lot of feelings about that um, and you know, like I said, like i'd always i always just kind of embrace it. I was like, this is who I am, and so i'm kind of the term that I'm using lately is digging around, but I'm kind of digging around in mm. some like a lot of identity issues um as they relate to me specifically as mm-hmm. you know, a human being and you know living in living in spaces where I don't necessarily fit very well and honestly being just kind of like fuck it. I don't care mm-hmm. what you think. Um so yeah, there's there's a lot of different I have a lot of feelings and a lot of things to say about about this, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of spaces where I feel like I just kind of insert myself okay. where people feel like Oh, there's a binary here. I'm like, hell no, there's not, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I re- like, I really kind of enjoy that. Like, again, it's the whole snarky side of me. <laughs> um, yeah, that like that brings me a lot of joy to like defy people's like just completely defy people's expectations and
2: um, you know social constructs. So um, yeah, I'm like working through that in a lot of different areas of my life. And I think that I probably always will be and, um, definitely not, you know, I haven't arrived and I never will.
0: It's a beautiful place to be. Tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing professionally and some of the work that you're doing on Twitter.
2: Mm, Okay.
3: Um, so I am really lucky that I get to work in, um, Behavioral neuros- behavioral neuroscience, which is actually really a mouthful to say. <laughs> um so the lab that I work in focuses on ADHD and autism primarily and the developing brain. And um so neurodevelopment and neurocognition are terms that I th- probably throw around more than I should. Um, and um, so there's several there's several kind of offshoots. Of of this particular um, lab because our lab is huge. Uh, we generally lately we've had about forty people um, in in the lab, um, which is a lot. And so um, some folks are doing research on um, trauma and maternal infl- inflammation as it relates to um, babies in in the mm-hmm. womb, and also. Um, racism and uh, policing and um, implicit bias um, and interactions that police officers have with uh, people of different um, racial and ethnic backgrounds. So it kind of is a broad spectrum. And I really, I really, I mean, I like I really love being able to work here. So, um, and then part, part of what I do is so, my boss um not going to name drop but he's pretty amazing and um (laughs) and uh part of his part of like the i guess the precondition of him like starting his own lab was that he wanted to set resources aside uh financial resources to be very specific to help bring more um um, underrepresented minorities Hmm. to, uh, the campus to be mentored and hopefully become, um, faculty. So, um, so part of what I do is I'm the project coordinator for, um, our diversity outreach, um, initiative that we have that's like run out of our lab basically. Um, and that's, that's been really fun too. I think it's really, I mean, again, like growing up in like such a, like in all white spaces, you know, because Portland is really white and like the churches that we attended were pretty much exclusively white. Right. Um, so like being in this environment and being able to like sit down with a bunch of like doctors and like, everybody's a person of color. Hmm. I'm not a doctor, just, you know, obviously, but like, it's just wild. Like it's such a different experience for me and, um, it's been a really positive experience because it's, it's, you know, it's cool to like be in those environments and be seen and recognized and heard, mm-hmm. um, which is not super common, <laughs> I think for, uh, most women of color to be seen and heard. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: so I'm like, I've really kind of enjoyed that as far as like what I'm doing on Twitter, man. Um, so I basically, kind of take, like, the information that I am, like, you know, privileged enough to learn here in the lab and, like, from other resources, you know, like, I'm constantly reading the most depressing, Mm god-awful books about, like, slavery and, you know, all the other horrible things that America Mm
2: -hmm.
3: (laughs) has engaged in while pretending to be, like, God's chosen people. Um, So I kind of try to take that information and break it down into like bite-sized pieces that are more accessible to people. Um, I mean, this is like my own personal bias showing because like I love biology and like neuroscience is not, it's not like a super complicated idea, like neurotransmission, the way that your neurons communicate with each other. Like it's, it's, it's kind of straightforward. So I feel like, um, not to be like not to be dismissive of anyone, but I'm like, I feel like people can get this, you know, like maybe hmm. we have to break it down a little more, but like it's not like... rocket
0: science, it's only just neuroscience
3: exactly, exactly, <laughs> so I feel like um, and I feel like it's something I'm good at like communicating to people the way that you know trauma and generally more specifically racism, but you know any kind of trauma um has an effect on the brain. it has an effect on the developing brain. I mean like the like one of the um, one of the researchers, one of the doctors here in the lab um, her her work is um, kind of veering in the direction of looking like you know trauma that like a little girl experiences like you know three, four five six, seven years old affects
2: her child's brain development when she gets pregnant when she's twenty five. Mm. 35. Um, so trying to build, I guess, this, um, more integrated
3: idea of like America and American history and, um, the effects that like centuries of trauma and racism and, you know, white Christian terrorism have had on black Mm -hmm. and brown in this country. Um, and kind of advocating for people to be more aware, you know, in their, in their interactions um, with people of color um, is a big part of what I do on, on Twitter. And then um, the other part is annoying people by talking about LaCroix and posting really (laughs) gratuitously. So I'm winning. You never let the dust settle
1: you're wasting your time while the clocks
0: so tell us about your spiritual journey you mentioned that you're and kind of in that ex evangelical or ex-evangelical space and so you've really shifted in your spirituality can you tell us about that journey
2: yeah <clears throat> so um i was
3: kind of like born um Born and raised in church, essentially, like, Mm -hmm. around the pew is what a lot of people like to say. Um, Most people assumed that I was, like, one of the pastor's kids because um, I was, I got to church before Jesus did. And uh, (laughs) so that was always just a huge, a huge part of my, my life, my, you know, my experiences. And it was something that I completely, like, embraced wholeheartedly, like, you know, um, and it was a very like it was a, again
2: it was a very white, very evangelical um, version of Christianity, and um, a lot of people assumed that there was a a lot of people assumed that there was you know a fair amount of
3: I guess racism, like either implicit or explicit in in those spaces, and like sometimes sometimes there was and sometimes there wasn't. It just really depended on like where we were at the time and like. Mm-hmm who we were engaging with but um
2: I didn't it wasn't something that I necessarily picked up on um and there were
3: there were even some spaces that were really affirming of like people of color which was kind of I felt was really cool you know again like being seen as you know a mixed race black little girl in Portland is like that meant a lot to me but um yeah, so it was very, it was very conservative, very like say the sinner's prayer and uh get, <laughs> get your one-way ticket. So um that was just kind of my life. And i you know I completely I completely embraced that um until uh about well, almost four years ago. And um <clears throat> so I've you know I've written a little bit about this and mm-hmm it's you know it's honestly it's still something i'm processing but um the the major turning the major turning point for me in terms of you know because i had issues that i was wrestling with right in christianity um especially like hell eternal conscious torment and then like not being able to affirm lgbtq people Mm -hmm. those two things um will kind of like on you know one's like deeply political in some in you know our context and then one is like Very theological, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've been—you know—I've spent many years, honestly, like wrestling with both of these ideas and trying to like trying to make sense of them. Like, make sense of like loving God, torturing
2: like people for all of eternity, and also like if I don't—it was weird. It was like you're you're going to hell if you're gay. Like, I don't really
3: know. Like, you know, people Mm -hmm. feel different ways about it. there's not, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of consensus in terms of like, it's just like, you're not honoring God, but like, we don't really know if we're going to go to heaven. Yes, you are. No, you're not
2: TBD. (laughs) And so, um, I, you know, I spent, you know, I spent a long time wrestling with those two issues. And then, um, August of 2014 rolled around and
3: um I was I was on vacation didn't really have great cell phone service but you know I I checked my phone kind of intermittently um when we had service and I kept seeing something about someone who'd been shot and killed in Ferguson Missouri didn't really know what was going on again because you know very limited cell phone service or like connection with the outside world Mm -hmm. um and so, um, got home from vacation, basically, um, the night that the protests started in Ferguson and, um, it was, it was, it's a very surreal experience. And it's like one of those moments where I didn't expect anything. You know, I was like, put my kid to bed, got something to drink, like sat down. I wasn't actually, was drinking alcohol. FYI, if anybody's doing the math, I was pregnant at this time. Um... <laughs> you know, sat down, like, logged on to Twitter, and just, like, the amount of, like, racism and just, like, hatred and vitriol and disdain coming from, like, white evangelical Christians, um, you know, directed towards Michael Brown and everyone who was his neighbor, basically, um, was, but it was a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, It really kind of, like, altered my, my perception of Christianity, honestly, Um, because I, you know, I spent my whole life growing up in church, you know, and I, you know, I was the one like taking three or four or five
2: pages of notes, you know, every sermon talking about like, God is love and love your neighbor. And, you know, like,
3: honestly thinking that these people believed what Jesus said. And it turns out that all of that was optional. Um, at least in terms of like
2: how you engage with people of color that you think are beneath you. So, um, yeah. And it's still kind of, you know, it took me, like, it took me three years to process like that night
3: and like the subsequent, like the following days. Um, it was a very, uh, yeah it was traumatizing and kind of eye-opening um very eye-opening and i recently it was probably last week i i have i have this um what i wrote about my experience i have that posted on my twitter page it's like my pinned tweet so everybody who comes on my page sees it and somebody left a comment um which you know they do and they just said, thanks for sharing this. Like, I left the church for, you know, other reasons.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And it wasn't until I got this one specific comment from this one specific person that it occurred to me. Like, I didn't actually leave the church. Like, the church left me. Like, the church mm-hmm. was like, we don't want you. You know, when we're drawing a line in the sand, you're out.
2: Mm-hmm. And um, that was... Uh yeah, it was like it was it was weird. I mean, I've been through like a
3: a decent amount of rejection in my life and it was still kind of like it still kind of threw me. Cause I again like I thought that people sincerely believed like what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. But apparently like, no, if we think you're a thug or
2: we think that like, you know, you don't deserve to be here, then Jesus is optional in those situations. Mm. Um so i've you know i've been again like working through this um and
3: kind of went like you know evangelical, like conservative evangelical christian to like atheist <laughs> i like yep. kind of back to like i don't know i'm like i'm in between and i don't feel mm-hmm. like i have to choose like i don't feel like i have to choose between like god existing or god not existing like that's not really the question, um, Uh for me anymore. So, um, I still definitely engage the church a lot. Um, especially the white church and I'm really, I'm really mean. That's who (laughs) like even progressive white churches. I'm not very nice. Um, but, um, yeah so I still I still definitely engage in those spaces I still speak that language but I you know I realized like oh I'm out like I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not part of you know I'm not I'm not on the team like y'all have made it very clear so I got the memo like I'm just gonna leave you alone like I'll just be out here like yelling from the sidewalk
1: you're spinning your wheels and washed up
0: expressed before like you there's some sort of spirituality that you're sensing in your life and i'm curious where you foster that that uh spirituality and how do you foster that spirituality that still exists
3: um yeah i like this is probably gonna sound really weird but um i like a lot of i guess my spirituality i find in like science Hmm. Like okay. the interconnectedness of, I mean, you know, the interconnectedness of, of the world and, you know, the fact that you share, like, I'm exaggerating, but like, you know, 95, 96% of your DNA with a banana. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of having, you know, so I still have those experiences of just like awe and wonder. And like, I mean, I live in the Pacific Northwest, so I feel like I probably get to experience that more than like is fair. Right. Um but yeah, I mean I still like so my oldest little boy is um five and a half and um one of the things that we you know one of the things that we do in the summer is after brother goes to sleep, we will go and sit in the yard and just look at stars.
1: Mm.
3: Um and that's like that's like a very deeply spiritual moment for me to be able right. to sit there with him and say like, do you see those stars? Like you're made of the exact same stuff that they are. Mm. Um and um yeah, so I really like that it even though it it looks different, um probably you know that like I don't think any I don't think any like born again Christian would consider me a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um I still definitely engage Um, with spirituality just you know again like it's in science and it looks a little different and there's no there's no there's no woo involved
1: In,
0: in connection to that spirituality has been central to the work of justice throughout the world especially uh in in uh In 18th and 17th century America where slaves were brought over and their sense of spirituality has I mean that that's what motivated the the abolition movement and for those that were enslaved to uh, seek liberation and then even extend that into the 20th century in the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King and and Rosa Parks and and Ruby Sales, all of these figures were all deeply motivated by their spirituality for a more just world. So justice and spirituality have been almost inseparable in the way that they've interacted throughout history. How do you sense your spirituality being an impulse that drives a lot of the work that you do, uh, work work that is justice-oriented and and justice-seeking?
3: Hmm. That's really, that's such a cool, That's a, I mean, I love, like, I love that connection, because for me, like, the intersection of kind of, like, justice and spirituality is science, like, mm. I know that sounds crazy, um, but it, but it is, it's, it's weird how, like, it, you know, kind of to look, and I, I think that there's, like, different people, people engage with data and they engage with information different ways, right? So, you know, a lot of people use, um, historically, like,
2: you know, science has been used um, against people of color. Mm -hmm. Um, um, It's not like, it's not like an inherently
3: just um, enterprise. Right. (laughs) Um, It's, it's not, um, but it's interesting that now, like slowly, I think that we're seeing more and more we're learning more and more discovering more and more that um, justice isn't just a spiritual practice. Like it's like the science actually backs it up. Hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm I'm sure like somebody who's sitting on some like alt-right podcast right now is talking about how the science backs up like white superiority or whatever. Right. (laughs) Um, Right so you can, you know, you can cherry pick and you can strip, you know, context away, um, if you want to, and plenty of people do that and Mm -hmm. will continue to do, to do so. But I think that once you start looking holistically at people, um, and the way that they engage with the world, um, yeah, I think that there's, I think that like a sidebar real quick, like, so I'm super passionate about public health and, um, that's like what I'm kind of working towards, like pursuing mm-hmm. career wise and, um, uh, specifically like racial justice and public health and, um, ending racial disparities. And so, um, it's really, again, it's really interesting to see that like, now that we're finally doing research on this, um, that it's like, yeah, these disparities do exist and it's not because like, right. People of color are inferior but it's because they've experienced trauma so again like that intersection between like justice and spirituality is like you know i sh- like you could call that my religion i guess but it's hmm. science
0: right I, I i've noticed too um in in kind of the world that intersects faith and science that they're that, that scientists are finding a number of ways in which the body like the physical body, is is changed and affected by people who do spiritual practices and sort of spiritual sort of things. Um, and so in many ways, those practices in that sense of spirituality is, is literally changing the, the neural synapses going on and uh, your, your DNA and injustice and justice affects the way one Thinks right, their their neurosynapses are changed by that environment in, in that context, uh, both unjust uh, context contexts, which has been most of history, if not all of history, uh, yeah. and but but also times in which justice is seen. Uh, there are certainly physical responses that your body creates, mm-hmm. and and so it's really interesting to see. Science discovering this and and finding and becoming aware of the way in which those those um, those experiences, the spiritual experience and the just experience, interconnecting. So I think that's just fascinating, and I really think that you're you're really hitting the nail on the head that there's certainly intersection here between spirituality, between scientific discovery and and justice, that there is a, there's an inner connection that's being made there. And I do think that there are a number of people within the church and people that are outside of the Christian church and in different faiths um, and different spiritualities that are really noticing this work that there, there is justice, spirituality, and science that are all kind of intersecting at the same time and that's all emerging uh, at, at once. And I think that's really interesting. So I really appreciate. A lot of the work that you're doing in kind of all three of those areas, you you seem to be kind of the intersection of all of that. Uh, a person that's really interested in science, a person that uh, is still very deeply spiritual, and a person that is is deeply involved and committed to and passionate about justice. So you're like you're you're the embodiment uh, of this intersection that's happening. So people should just look look to you as uh, as the leader of all of that. <laughs>
3: Oh my gosh. You are so nice. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, I think so. This is something that I've thought about a lot, honestly. Um, so I guess like, as in terms of like connection
2: with, um, connecting, you know, you know, spirituality and, um, and
3: justice, I do, like, I do kind of want to like for start, just to start, like, I just kind of want to, like, caution people that, like, there is, there is some inherent privilege, right, mm-hmm. just being to um, maintain these practices that, you know, again, like you said, like, they've largely been proven to improve your mental health. Um, right. So, yeah, I think
2: that, you know, being cautious in, you know, making it prescriptive, right? right. But. Um,
3: I like, yeah, I definitely hear that. And I definitely, so what I've, what I've observed lately in the past couple of years, um, that I find really fascinating, um, specifically is, um, the black church in America Mm -hmm. and how that environment is, um, kind of geared towards, I guess, like, again, I don't think churches are perfect or anything, but to have those spaces where people can be themselves be affirmed Mm -hmm. and have some like introspection or to be able to have, you know, just a really amazing time with the people that they love the most. Right. Um, That to me, I like, again, I recognize that there's like kind of, there's like a healing aspect to that for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so yeah, like I I definitely, I mean, I definitely try to caution people in terms of of saying like, oh, well, you know, prayer and meditation, like great, like those are those are good things, you know, and if if that's something that you have the time and the space and like the capacity, the margin in your life to pursue those kinds of things, and like by all means, but um like and I think you said this to me, but it's like do do what makes you healthy, right? So something in in like in in a spiritual context is like making you less healthy like do not do that thing
1: Mm
3: -hmm. um so I think that yeah there's definitely there's definitely like an intersection like you said and um I love I love being in the middle of all of it I think that it's really it's really invigorating for me mm-hmm. um that's that, like that's where i thrive right like that's where i'm healthiest right. is like being kind of in the intersection of that and also being able to communicate and educate people on um a lot of these issues that mm-hmm. are really like i mean if 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 humanity is going to survive and not kill itself off like we have to get this right mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot at stake mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So we have Nick, and uh, Nick is uh, with Page Gray, uh, which is the band that you've been listening to throughout this episode. And uh, Nick most kindly uh, decided to sit down with us, and uh, or sit down with me rather. I don't know who I'm talking about with us. There's, I mean, unless you unless you think of me as a, a multiple entity or something. Uh, but Nick uh, kindly accepted to to sit down and uh, chat about Page Gray's music. So, you you and I have been chatting, and you mentioned that there is new music on the horizons.
4: Is that true? Yeah. So the story behind that. Uh, originally, uh, I was trying to make music under under this uh, alias Well Wisher. Okay. And uh, found out that that's uh, actually they're pretty good but they're, uh, they're banned from New Jersey. Hmm. So, I, you know, I just didn't want to, like, deal with the hassle of, like, no, you right. want to, I don't know. Um, it's like the whole, so... like,
0: ludicrous, ludicrous debate back in the the exactly. early
4: 2000s, yeah.
2: right? Remember yeah. that?
4: Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh put out an EP uh, last December that, um, yeah, essentially took, three years to record because the guy I was recording with we were always busy and never like never able to get our uh schedules to line up so put it out under page gray and then um immediately wanted to start doing new music so Mm -hmm. we uh I recruited my friend Brian and Corey and we uh we're working on some new stuff that should be out. Uh, hopefully June 29th. Fingers Ooh. crossed. Let's do it. So, yeah. what?
0: Uh, what is some of the inspiration behind the new music?
4: Yeah. Uh, musically, um, we're just all big fans of like microwave and and modern baseball and mm-hmm. City soundtrack. Yep, you're 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 speaking
0: my
2: language right now.
4: Yes. Come on. Uh, so we wanted to make songs that um, that like pay tribute to those uh, to those guys, but I think uh, lyrically it's it's really just working out some relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, part of my story is I moved up here to Missoula to a uh, to be part of a church plant that went south and um i've never really processed that or or you know gone and and gone to like a therapist or whatever so i uh i wrote a song for that uh, mm-hmm. about that and uh you know the other songs that you'll hear on the ep are go anywhere from like a marriage to uh Everywhere in between.
2: <laughs> Do you, uh,
0: so you said that hopefully June 29th that right. you'll release uh, some new tunes. Are there any plans in terms of like shows or tours that you also have planned?
4: I'm not ruling it out. Um, okay. It might be, it might be look more locally. Okay. But, um, yeah, it'll be the first time that we've uh, really played as a band together. Mm-hmm. Uh, This is a fairly new project, so any any shows on the horizon will be holy crap. We got to get our shit together and (laughs) practice the hell out of the songs. (laughs) That's great. So, um, so
0: if you are a listener out there who is in the Montana area, and there is a a show that kind of comes by, definitely. I know that Montana is a massive state, so it's. (laughs) <laughs> highly unlikely that if you're in Missoula that, you know, somewhere else out there, uh that somebody's gonna drive six hours, which is, you know, that's no that's no short drive, but um you never know. <laughs> but nonetheless, we would love uh we would love for you to, to check out Paige Gray. Uh I really love what you're doing. Also, by the way, Paige Gray, where does that that come from? Like where what was the inspiration behind
4: that name? Um actually really shallow i (laughs) used to work at starbucks um and there was a girl whose name was Paige gray so i just took out the eye and it's Paige gray wow that is uh
0: (laughs) that's less that's less uh interesting than i thought (laughs) Yeah.
4: (laughs) yeah i should probably come up with a better like maybe a better story for that but
0: i really i thought i thought maybe it had to do something with like that your music's not, like, black and white, that it's, like, in the middle of, like, being gray, and it's, and then, like, gray's got this gloomy, kind of dark, doubt-filled feel, um, feel, and so I kind of felt like, well, maybe some of the, maybe spiritual uh, or um, emotional <laughs> things that you're experiencing as an artist uh, are coming out in that, that name, but that's, I was that's completely perfect. wrong.
4: No, that's, that's exactly it. <laughs> let's
0: go with that that's awesome well Nick thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your music and yeah I've really been digging it I, I mean those that know me know that I love my like indie midwest emo so I definitely get a lot of that vibe coming off uh, from your music so uh, yeah keep so up good. the good work I, I, I love what you, you all are doing and uh,
4: all the best of luck to you all thank you you as well my friend Thank
1: you.
0: So you are a fan of Religionless Church. You have told me repeatedly how much you have enjoyed the episodes and all the things that you're learning from it. What about Religionless Church has been really compelling to you?
3: Um, I mean, I really can like go right like right back to what I was saying like in those in those spiritual spaces to you know do what makes you healthy right like Mm -hmm. it's not it's not like oh well you have to like get through x y and z every single day you know and I feel like coming from like an evangelical space where it's like you have to be like you have to be praying you have to be doing your bible study you have to be like memorizing scripture and going to you know going to prayer meetings and 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 bible studies and all this other stuff like just on top of church um it's kind of like you know it's kind of like this to-do list and some people function really well with something like that that Mm -hmm. again like for some people that allows them to be healthy but for someone like me who's like ADHD, anxiety, like probably on the spectrum. Like it's a, it's a, it's that's that's not healthy for Mm -hmm. me at all, right? Like structure can be healthy, but like having having like a to do list of like this is how you win God's approval. Like that's horrifying for me,
1: right? Totally. Um,
3: I think that the concept of what I get really passionate about with religionless church is the idea that it's like becoming like the healthiest version of yourself and like, being, like, creating spaces where people can be, you know, be fully themselves and be encouraged to, like, grow and thrive, as opposed to, you know, well, like, again, like, just keep going back to my own experience, but, like, evangelical spaces, like, if you're an LGBTQ person, or you're a person of color, um, or you're a woman, <laughs> or you're a child, like, mm-hmm. just, you're just, like, you're just a second-class citizen. Like, that's functionally how it it works. Like, it's not necessarily anyone's intention. I think a lot of people don't actually, like, have opposite intentions, but you have to be able to, and this, you know, this is, like, again, like, science, justice, spirituality, you have to be able to look at, like, the actual results of what you're doing and make corrections. Otherwise, you're perpetuating, you know, you can perpetuate really negative, abusive, unhealthy cycles for people. So I think that that is why I'm not even doing a great job explaining it, but that's a a big part of why I'm like, so, um, (laughs) so excited about what you're doing and, and, um, why I'm constantly like telling everyone to like, listen to your podcast.
0: (laughs) Thank you for that. It's awesome.
3: You never let the dust settle.
1: You thought you found love, but it left.
0: Another thing that I've noticed that you really care about with religionless church is I take Dietrich Bonhoeffer's concept of religionless Christianity and to kind of give some historical context for the listeners. I I know you know this a little bit, but uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer kind of conceptualized uh, of religionless Christianity as he was sitting in jail uh, before um, about a year or so before he was killed which we actually just celebrated his uh, 73rd anniversary of his death. And, and so he was conceptualizing in the context of a, a sort of marriage between the church and the states, the, the Nazi state in Germany. And, and he was, I mean, he, the reason why he was in jail was because he was speaking against that and, uh, and even conspired to kill Hitler, and, and that's why he was in jail. And so a lot of his work in his, in his last few years of living were in, in opposition to Christian nationalism in Germany. And, and so then he started conceptualizing of what a church would look like outside of the constraints and framework of Christendom or Christian nationalism. And it seems like a lot of what you care about with a lot of the anti-racism work and the anti-nationalism work that you're doing on Twitter, and even professionally, that seems to resonate with you as well. Could you talk a little bit more about some of the way that that has resonated with you, uh, with religionless church and with me kind of adopting uh, Bonhoeffer's concept of religionless Christianity and all of the anti-nationalism and Christian nationalism uh, parts to, to that?
2: Yeah, um,
3: man, the, yes, it's it's something that I <laughs> that I find really kind
2: of infuriating. And I I mean I know that you do too, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, just seeing this kind of, uh, seeing you know seeing the state, you know, America specifically, mm-hmm. and and the Constitution.
3: You know, being conflated with like Christianity or like Jesus, you know, it, it's just it's just it's just really wild to me that you know, so many people can can pick up like a Bible and like read through the gospels and then, you know, walk away saying, like, "Oh, Jesus would definitely approve of like what we're doing as a country."
2: Hey. Um, you know, and I like I you know, I tweeted this recently, but I was like, you can't you can't support Trump and
3: I'm trying to think of which word I use because I get really like kind of weird around Christianity because just there's so many flavors of it and they don't necessarily all look the same. Right. Um but um I think it was like follow Jesus teachings maybe is what it was. Maybe it's a follow. You can't support Trump and follow Jesus teachings or subscribe to Jesus teachings, something along those lines, Right. like simultaneously, like those two goals are antithetical to one another. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that Trump does a really good job of uh, kind of embodying that, like what, what Christianity, like what Christianity, like Christian nationalism in America looks like is Donald J. Trump. Um,
0: Mm -hmm. Totally
3: and so it's the kind of you know and I don't I don't get as like I don't get as much pushback I think that I got put on some like block lists a
2: while back <laughs> um
3: because yeah I don't get I don't get as much pushback from from folks when I tweet stuff like that anymore um which I think is really really interesting like there are fewer people now who like jump in and like try to correct what i'm saying or at least what i'm saying i mean there's there's plenty of white dudes who jump in and try to please what i'm saying don't get me wrong um but uh yeah it's it's a little it's a little less common now which i find interesting but um yeah I definitely like trying to i don't even want to say like extract jesus from america because like jesus has never been anywhere near america or anything that america right. has right so
1: yeah
3: i've you know i've written about this recently too but just like the idea that like god singled out america as like a country to bless or like cause to prosper um well i get that like you know your little rebel army like defeated the greatest superpower on the face of the earth that doesn't that's not proof of god's blessing right, right. because it's the blessing america that means that you know god is looking at the suffering of like indigenous people and enslaved black people and going like, yeah, fuck it. The white ones are good. Let's just go with this. Mm. So, you know, it's not, it's not like, I mean, to, in order to even like say or believe that, that God has like blessed America, like you really have to, you have to view anyone who isn't white as a second class citizen. Right. Because
1: mm-hmm.
3: if God co-signed on that, then cool. like. <laughs> Maybe we are second class, um, you know. So, I again, like, I don't want to say like I'm trying to extract Jesus from from like American Christian nationalism, but to point out that like Jesus was never there to start with, right? Um, has been, yeah, something that I've been talking about a lot mm-hmm.
1: lately.
0: So you you just were talking a little bit about this, but how do you see your passions and your work really speaking into Bonhoeffer's religionless Christianity and uh, the sort of post-Christendom, post-Christian nationalism uh, concept that he conceptualized? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So how do you see your passions and the work that you're doing professionally and on Twitter speaking into that work and that concept?
2: Um... I mean, I don't like, okay, so in, in my, I guess in the way that I view myself, like it's not
3: in like what I'm doing, it's not necessarily that I'm actively, that I'm actively pursuing that, right? But Mm -hmm. that like my, I'm, I'm hopeful that like what I have to say that like, My existence kind of creates those spaces for people,
2: again, to like kind of grow and thrive. Like those religionless, kind of. I mean, I was you know I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, and um,
3: you know, because we've kind of been like, she, you know, my friend is in like the same situation where she's like,
2: um, after.
3: For for her, like the last shot was when Trump won the election. They okay. were just like not going back to church. Like this is insane. And um, so we've kind of you know and something that we've discussed actually is like okay, so what is it? What does it look like going forward? Like what are you know because and this is like this is everyone's critique, right? Is it's like well, don't just like talk shit about stuff you don't know, like. Like do something different. And you know, mm-hmm. not everybody has, not everybody has you know the time, the space, the emotional energy to do something different. That doesn't mean that they can't speak up and speak out,
2: you know, right. especially
3: in regards to abusive situations. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, it's something that, it's something that I'm really passionate about and it's not necessarily something that's like gotten legs yet. Okay. Um, but I, you know, talking like talking to people and again like kind of wrestling with or like digging into like these concepts of like what is this what does this look like like what is this kind of religionless christianity
2: religion church what does that look like for people like how can we how can we be like affirming and um i don't i don't
3: like the word progressive because i'm like when we win, we're going to be conservatives because we're going to be trying to conserve all the gains that we've made. Right. Like, right. Um, but, you know, like, um, affirming, like an affirming space where people are able to, again, like, get healthy rather than, like, having to go through and, like, check off um, all of these boxes and, like, oh, you know, making sure that, like, I, I'm doing everything right. But, like, you know, creating a, creating a space where people can exist and be affirmed in like their existence whatever that looks like um so like like i said i'm this isn't something like necessarily has legs yet but it's something that i'm working on and kind of wrestling with and like talking to other people like other local people about um you know what what that's going to look like and you know what we can like what we can do with it because i mean ultimately like when we're talking about the intersection of like science and justice and spirituality, like it's because like people's, people's bodies matter, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you mm-hmm. believe in God, like people's bodies matter to God, like people's physical experiences like matter. And I think that, um you know, that's something that, I, should I say so, that's something that evangelicalism has got wrong? Like evangelicals got everything. Evangelicalism mm-hmm. has, wrong but like that's something that evangelicalism got wrong you know intentionally in order to like maintain like the institution of slavery um was that like oh your physical body like the experience that you have on this earth is irrelevant it's like no it's not it's Mm. not at all yep um you know especially if you're going to use that as a cop out to abuse and torture people like that's not cool um so yeah like i said i it's something that like i'm Working towards and and again, like kind of trying to sort out right now. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, like you're totally right. It is something that I'm incredibly passionate about. Um, what it's going to look like, I don't know yet. But you know, it's again, it's something I'm passionate about because I want people to be able to find spaces where they can be healthy. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'll happen. I'm just not quite sure how it's going to shake out.
0: Totally. It it seems like religionless church and religionless Christianity is a space that kind of plays within the liminal space. And, and, and you've talked about before that like so many parts of your identity are in that liminal space uh, where you're biracial and, and your spirituality and, and you living in a very white context, like so much of your, Experience and existence in the world is in this sort of liminal space where there's some tension going on between your between your interpersonal identities and even uh, the context in which you exist. There's there's tension. And you've expressed to me before, too, that you you find yourself to be healthiest when you are when when you kind of rest in or lean into that tension. And it seems like the so it seems like the reason that religionless church and religionless Christianity has been so resonating for you is because it's a space that desires like it seeks out to be a liminal space. And with your existence and your experience being so liminally, if that's a word, uh, there's a reason why it's it's resonating so much and why you're so passionate about inviting and sharing and allowing other people who also do find their identity and their experience and existence in the world to be liminal, to invite them into a place where that is accepted, welcomed, and and even, and affirmed. So, yeah, I, I, it seems like that is also playing into your, your resonation, if that's a word as well, <laughs> with... With uh, religionless church and re- re- religionless Christianity. So, last question Where can people get connected to you and your work?
2: Ah, um,
0: <laughs> so we talked a lot about Twitter. I would hope that that's one of those things.
3: Yes, yeah. So I'm on, I'm definitely on Twitter, um, at tory Glass. Um, and my Instagram's the same. And there's like, <clears throat> I have a link to like the blog post that I wrote. I don't like, I haven't really like put a lot on there, but I try to link to stuff that I write like other places too. Um, so yeah, I think best bet right now is, you know, on
0: Twitter. Sweet. Thank you so much, Tori. You're wonderful, and thank you for imparting so much wisdom and so much goodness into our lives. Thank you so much.
2: Usually,
0: at the end of an episode, I say something along the lines of like, oh, how amazing was that person, or... Uh, your mind's been blown by that person. But I really can't emphasize enough that after listening to Tori, I really felt personally challenged. And I think it's a really good thing for me to be challenged. And I really hope that you as a listener felt challenged by her story and by her work. And I really think that her work speaks a lot to what I'm doing on Religionless Church. I know she's a really big fan uh, of the podcast and with With the concept of religionless church, it's been something that's been really meaningful to her. And I think it's because it connects so much with anti-racism work and justice in in our world. And so I really hope that you feel challenged by her and that you were able to see how her work is deeply connected with my work. I hope you all really dug Paige Gray too. I really think that... Nick's work is is something that uh, really captures kind of this Montana feel. I think as best as an indie artist could capture a Montana feel, I mean, it's, it's an overwhelming feel. I mean, Big Sky Country is certainly overwhelming, but I really think that his work uh, with Paige Gray certainly embodies the indie feel that uh, could be captured in Montana, good old Montana. You can get both connected to Tori's work and Paige Gray's work in the links below, so be sure to check those out. Again, you can also get connected to my work at com, and you can support my work on my Patreon page. Uh, If you're on my website, you can click the little support tab that's at the top, and it'll take you right to my Patreon page. And you can support my work. There's a $1 a month tier, a $5 month tier, and a $10 month tier. I feel like $1 a month, that's 12 bucks for a whole gear, that's like two foot longs. I think you can make that work. I really would appreciate it. So be sure to check out my work as well and get connected with me on my website and on my Patreon page. I would love for you to become a supporter. Until next time, peace out.
3: I'll try to prove this wrong before you're too
1: far. Swill